Hello, it's Paul Scott here, enthusiastic commentator on UK small caps, although getting less enthusiastic with each passing week, I have to say. Uh, God, it's been it's a real struggle at the moment, isn't it? I'll come on to I'll do the usual format. So I'll run through the individual shares that we looked at um, this week, myself and Graham Neary in the small cap value reports on Stockopedia, which have been which I've been writing now for ten years. This is my ten year anniversary. So thanks for to Stockopedia for hosting me there. I really enjoy. Uh, doing these reports uh, to me ex- looking at the fundamentals of small caps is like doing a puzzle i find it fascinating really interesting and obviously yeah, we offer opinions on the shares but we have no idea what short time short term share prices are going to do and obviously nobody can look into the future with any certainty so it's all just views opinions it's not uh facts or advice as such in terms of what will happen in the future and uh, obviously, if my track record this year is anything to go by, you probably shouldn't be listening to this at all. Yeah, it's grim at the moment. I mean, I'm focused in entirely in small caps, and most of my stuff is uh, consumer-related, unfortunately, which has been the worst place to be. So I'm down 42% year-to-date, although... Um, uh, that the markets generally, I see the small caps indices have have uh, gone back down to the June and July lows. So we're still, and it's not surprising given all the uh, terrible macro news. But I'll come on to that in the second section. So let's start by looking at the individual companies. Obviously, we had a bank holiday on Monday, and as usual, I got the date wrong on Tuesday. Um, because I have to write that bit before the first coffee's kicked in, <laughs> quickly corrected. So Tuesday, we had a takeover bid. There are still a fair few of these coming through. The company was diurnal, and the takeover bid was at a striking 144% premium. Although um, I looked into the detail a bit on that one, and it's fallen so much previously that actually, you know, 144% on top of buttons is still buttons. So it's been a pretty bad investment. And I think these blue sky things are just not worth bothering with. You know, they nearly always get floated at uh, excessive valuations, uh, always burn through more cash than expected. Uh, commercialization, if it happens at all, takes longer than expected. And then if it's any good, somebody will swoop in and buy it. Um, near the lows, which is what's happened with diurnal. So I think these things are just a waste of time. So that's why I never invest in that type of thing. But anyway, it's good to see a, a, at least a half-decent outcome for people. The other thing with takeover bids right now is, of course, you can then redeploy that money on something else that's dirt cheap. So getting 144% premium is not bad going. And I see it wasn't actually... The market cap wasn't... Um, it was only slightly above Diurnal's own net cash, although it was burning through that cash at a hell of a rate. So I might do a screen for companies that are trading at or near their own net cash, because uh, that's been uh, I've had rich pickings from that um, strategy in previous bear markets, particularly back in 2001, 2002, and 2003, where I, I did very, very well with uh, high net cash shares and um, doing activism. I did five shareholder action groups, which were all successful, uh, which compounded a small portfolio into a medium portfolio. So it it does work if you can shake things up a bit at companies where they've got a lot of cash but um, a rubbish business model. Anyway, moving on then, next one, uh, Revolution Beauty, REVB, that was suspended as expected because it's failed to file 
the um, February 2022 results uh, by the six-month deadline for AIM. I think it's AIM, is it Rule 19? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I had a quick look at that. Uh, it's just impossible to value until we know what the uh, outcome of the accounting problems are which the auditors are still investigating so we'll have a look at that when it come when it <clears throat> i mean it should <clears throat> it should come back from suspension but um personally i never really want to be holding any shares that are suspended even if it is only temporary uh because it means that really the the clock's not ticking for management anymore so they can maybe relax a little and sort the problems out in their own time and you don't know what sort of discussions are going on behind closed doors. So so generally I avoid companies that are likely to be where they've got a deadline ticking for suspension. Uh, Jules now, uh, J-O-U-L. <clears throat> now, for full disclosure, I should say, uh, as you probably guessed from my previous comments on this, my um, <clears throat> my patience has run out on this one. It's been a disaster for me personally. Um, I have sold them. Um, I'm, it's just, for me, it's just too risky for now. Now that the company's actually operating <clears throat> at a loss and there are issues with the bank uh, position, which they've got a three-month period of grace from the bank, so something needs to happen in terms of a refinancing there, and I'd rather just sit on the sidelines and wait to see uh, what happens. Now, Sky News reported that talks with Next over a strategic investment and... Um, developing more um, routes to market for Jules's product through Nexus platform. Sky says these talks have stumbled. Jules then um, said the next day that they're continuing with constructive talks. So who knows what's going to happen there? As I say, uh, interesting company, but I I didn't realise that the fundamental problems at the company uh, were as deep as they are. So, and as usual with this sort of thing, the bad news was drip-fed out over, I think, four profit warnings. So, um, yeah, for me, it's too risky, but I'm watching from the sidelines. You know, once the turnaround's underway, I'll, I'll buy back in, I think. I think it's fundamentally a, a, a good brand, but I think it's been beset with poor management and uh, just a complete inability to control supply chain and logistics, because it's not the first time they've stumbled on that. Such a pity, because that... that um, that's been a, a nice company in the past. But anyway, there we go. Brymar Shipping. Now, this, I think that's BMS. Now, this one put out a strikingly good uh, trading update and really good accounts. It's making hay while the sun shines um, from the shipping sector. Um, so very, very positive trading update, and it's on a low PE. Um, although I went through the figures in quite a lot of detail on Tuesday, and the readers seem to like that report. Um, and there's actually quite a lot of issues with the accounts, which I flag up in Tuesday's report. I won't go into the detail here. Um, and it's also indicated that the outperformance, I think the profit guidance has gone up from 12 million to 20 million, uh, which is a huge jump. But of that 8 million jump, 5 million is due to favourable Forex, which is the strong dollar. Now, that stimulated a very interesting discussion amongst the reader comments um, this week, generally. I think several of us are thinking along the same lines, that we could, you know, to find safe havens, if you like, in the current markets. We should be looking at companies with UK cost bases, uh, but revenues in US dollars, because that will 
be a very strong tailwind for for plenty of these things and and arguably avoid things that are facing exposure the other way um obviously it's another inflationary factor isn't it there's a lot of imports are priced in us dollars so uh they're getting more expensive a lot of people are are, 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 are sort of going on about how weak sterling is but it's not if you look at the um relationships with the major currencies it's dollar strength it's not um it's not actual sterling weakness because I mean, look at the euro. The euro is under a lot of pressure now, and that's reached parity with the dollar. And uh, the pound to euro is has basically traded sideways for six years. So I think people sometimes like to fit their own uh, agenda about Brexit or Remain onto the facts and um, maybe mislead themselves slightly over what's actually happening. So it's dollar strength that is the issue. Uh, but I'll come on to that later. So, Brymar, yeah, very interesting, very, very good trading, um, but um, there are issues there, I think. And it is obviously a question of whether the, the bumper profits it's making at the moment are, are sustainable, because, of course, the container rates from the Far East are rapidly reducing now. Supply chains are gradually starting to ease. Maybe we're starting to see a normalisation of uh, uh, supply chains, and obviously demand will be dropping now from the West as well, plus a lot of companies... I was going to do macro at the end, wasn't I? Oh, well, I'll, I'll carry on while I've got this in my head. Um, companies have, have, have overstocked in many cases and are now de-stocking from excess inventories. So you could see things swing the other way on a lot of these things where you've had... Uh, booming prices like shipping so i don't know with brymar i wouldn't get too carried away with that one personally but as i say see tuesday's report for the detail now graham looked at randall and quilter which i don't know anything about and also a thing called unifar uh which again i've never heard of Right, on to Wednesday. Now, this Wednesday is usually our busiest day. Uh, really interesting company uh, announcements. We had a profit warning from Cakebox, CBOX, um, and the price really tanked from about £1.80 down to about a pound. I can't get above a fair value of 100p myself because on the lowered um, broker forecast, that would be a PE of 10. And I think given the company's catalogue of uh, disappointments this year. I don't really see why anyone would particularly want to pay more than a PE of 10, particularly because obviously cakes, you know, it is a franchise business, so it's it should be protected from uh, cost increases by uh, the franchise model, which is why it's uh, all the more confusing that they blamed cost rises on um, the profit warning which should have just been passed through to franchisees. So I don't understand, really, the underlying reason for the profit warning there. I think, again, it smacks of of poor management, not being on the ball, delaying putting through price rises to the franchisees. I can't see why you would do that if you were in control of the business. Maybe Maybe there's the contractual terms don't allow price rises immediately. I don't know, but... I don't have a lot of confidence in management there, I have to say. Um, Although there was a very substantial director buy of about a quarter of a million quid, which certainly uh, uh, did what was intended with it in reassuring the market. And there was a very strong bounce from a pound to about £1.40. So well done to any traders who caught that bounce. Um, 
I, I think at £1.40, it's probably overshot on the upside a bit, so it doesn't interest me at all at the moment. Although they did make positive noises at Cakebox about future expansion. They say they've still got a strong pipeline of new franchisees who, of course, pay substantial fees to buy the franchise, and that's where a lot of the company's profit comes from, I believe. Uh, is So they have to keep expanding to keep the profits going. I don't have any issues about Cakebox's solvency. It's got a good, strong balance sheet. Um, and I think fundamentally that could, could be a really good business. It's just management seem to keep screwing up. Um, now Shoe Zone. Oh, God, we love Shoe Zone at the Small Cat Valley Reports. S-H-O-E, obviously the ticker. And they always have footwear-related surnames for their finance directors as well, which I think, I think is a lovely touch. Um, <laughs> now, uh, it's up guidance again for the current year. I think it's September or October year end. Um, <clears throat> they say that the back-to-school selling period for children's clo- uh, shoes has been uh, very good. And it's also increasing its gross margins as well, which is also good. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry if we've asked this question before. I can't. I don't recall what it what it said about energy costs. Obviously, this is the big issue at the moment, isn't it? Not just for households, but for uh, multi-site businesses as well. So um, I think, as I mentioned in Wednesday's report, if I was the CFO there, which I used to be for a similar but slightly smaller business. Um, not that much smaller, actually, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> and fashion rather than footwear. Uh, I would have been squirrelling away some provisions on the balance sheet to give a nice buffer for the next year, rather than constantly drip feeding um, out performance RNSs. But anyway, uh, maybe they're doing both. So I don't know. <clears throat> now Fulham Shaw FUL, uh, we like this one as well. This is uh, restaurant business. Now, quite surprisingly, put out an inline update. You would have thought, wouldn't you? Discretionary spending would be collapsing, blah, blah, blah. But again, I think a trend is clearly emerging here. Biz- retail and hospitality businesses that offer value for money. Good products, differentiated products at keen prices are the ones that are doing OK right now, which I suppose isn't rocket science, isn't it? It's fairly obvious. I think it's those mid-market premium brands that might really struggle um now fulham shaw is doing a strikingly rapid expansion uh getting amazing deals from landlords and i really like this this share but i'm not convinced it's particularly value for money at around 11 pence uh given the macro picture i i think i'd want it cheaper but it's clearly um outperforming the sector and it's i think it's a, a, a good business so that could be one to to pounce i see it's certainly on my watch list could be one to pounce on when market sentiment changes uh now i looked at i had a quick look at eskin which uh, is um it owns south end airport and it's got a lot of renewables um i think the wood pe- wood pellet burning plants or something um and that division is doing quite well uh, the, the deeper I dug on this, though, the more complicated it became. And I think because of the enormous level of debt, it's uh, really a special situation. High risk. High debt means high risk, obviously. And uh, I think you've got to be a bit careful with this one because you can get a tipping point with these very high debt special situations where suddenly equity finds that you're cut out of the frame and the debt holders take over. So, uh, you know, if you dabble in these special situations with extremely high debt, you've got you've really got to know what you're doing, I think. And it's too complicated for me. I'd have to spend days and days researching it and I'm, I'm, I don't have the time or the inclination. Cars, now, C-A-R-R, this announced a big disposal. Uh... 
I'm not keen on this. <clears throat> I think they've got rid of a nice, profitable cash generative business. They've sold it for a, 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 a EV, EBITDA multiple of about just over six, six and a half, I think. Uh, it's going to clear their debt, put them in a net cash position, which they then say they're going to expand investment in their other divisions for uh, you know a longer term, better return. I mean. Okay, that might work longer term, but it it basically brings the um, brings earnings down a lot in the short term, and it takes the PE up from ten to fourteen. So, I'm not sure that was the right thing to do. But anyway, it's done now. So that's that. <coughs> Graham looked at Fl- uh, Flowtech Fluid Power (FLO) and also Delata Hotels (DAL). Uh, they look both look moderately interesting, I think. Thursday, yes. Now, a couple of interesting announcements here. One from a stock I hold that I'm very comfortable with as a long-term holding. It's Cambridge Cognition, ticker COG. Now, it announced um, another decent-sized contract win, 2.2 million. Um, now, it's a very small business, but these these um, contracts are very high gross margin. They're about 80% gross margin. Now, it hasn't changed the uh, the forecasts. But it follows on from a similar-sized contract from the same customer, actually, a few months ago. Um, so I think that's getting more and more nicely underpinned with, with fundamentals as time goes on. So I'm a very happy holder there. Uh, oh, yes, Cakebox direct to buy of 274 grand. I mentioned. Now, Loop Up, L-O-O-P. This was a speculative thing I did dabble in when it was around... Um, uh, around seven uh, p, which is is about the, slightly higher than that now. But I sold them when the this bear market started because it was too speculative. Um, <clears throat> I'm very content. Now they put out a really interesting announcement about seems to be some sort of revenue share and agreement to migrate customers from another business over to Loopup's legacy platform of meetings software online. Um, now, I say legacy because by the company's own admission, um, that part of the business is in sort of runoff and declines. But they've suddenly had a shot in the arm and they say it's going to generate about five million cash flow. If that turns out to be the case, then that's quite uh, interesting. I looked at the numbers again with Loopup, but the problem is it's really burning through cash at a fairly prodigious rate. And it's got eight million net debt. And the last thing you want, and it had to do a placing last year to pay off some of the debt. Um, so I think it's it, it's looking pretty inevitable that it'll have to do another placing. So very um, high risk, I think, loop up, but potentially interesting. Now, I looked at Camellia. This is a really <laughs> strange business. I've called it an internationally sprawling ag- agricultural group. It grows tea and avocados and apples in the UK and other products abroad. Um, I've no idea why anyone would want to invest in it. It does have a quite a good record of paying smallish dividends, um, poor poor interim results, but it makes all its money in H2 with the harvesting of the crops. So uh, I just think there are too many uncertainties with this. I don't I don't know why people would want to invest in Camellia. Um, now probably the highlight for me this week was a company called Eurocell E C E L. Interim results were very good. The outlook comments were were positive. I've concluded that I think this is a good quality business at a bargain price. Uh, It's got a strong balance sheet and a a dividend yield that's nearly 7% now. So I'm putting Eurocell on my buying list. Obviously, as with everything, you, um, you, you wonder that if we're going into a recession or even a deep depression... 
uh, you know, that demand for its products is bound to drop, isn't it? It makes uh, it makes um, PVC products, doors, and um, so on, and then sells them direct to the trade through uh, over two hundred branches, which are, are not shops as such. They're more sort of trade counters on industrial estates. Um, but it, it, the more I went through the numbers and the commentary on this, I just thought this looks a really decent business. Um, and the share price, obviously, with all cyclical things, has really tanked. And I, I just feel actually, well, as I say, that's going on my buying list. I don't know if it's the right thing to um, to um, uh, sorry, I've just realised I've sent um, a text to the wrong person. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, what were we saying? Eurocell. Yes, so I like Eurocell. Now, Graham looked at Johnson's service, um, the the textile hire business for hotels and so on, and Alpha Financial Software Holdings. So see Thursday's report for those. Now, on Friday, yes, Fridays are always quiet, but this was particularly quiet. There was hardly anything, so I had a bit of a lie-in, so apologies for the late start on Friday. Now, ShoeZone, another good announcement from ShoeZone. It announced a £3.5 million share buyback, so um, that was on top of a previous share buyback over the next three months, so I think shareholders are very, very happy there. It did a weird sell-off from almost £2 to about £1.50 quite recently, and I think we mentioned at the time that that looked a good opportunity to top up. I wouldn't get too carried away with Shoe Zone because um, they are facing headwinds, particularly on business rates. Although, and of course, energy costs could be a huge one. So, um, but uh, of all the things in the retail sector, I think probably Shoe Zone is 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 one of the better ones, or if not the best. And then Ted Baker put out uh, its scheme of arrangement is going ahead for the. £1.10 cash takeover bid. What a lucky escape for shareholders. I think the bidder is overpaying for a rubbish business, if I'm honest. And the trading update that uh, Ted put out, uh, the, the ticker is TED, the trading update looked poor to me. It didn't say anything about profitability, but the, the stores are still trading way below pre-pandemic levels. Uh, there's really no sign of a turnaround there at all. And uh, I think a very lucky escape for shareholders. Uh, I think it, the share price probably now would be less than half the bid price if the bid fell through for any reason. For, and I think the chances of a higher competing bid look negligible. So a person, if I held it, I would just sell in the market and not wait for the last one penny of remuneration. Uh, I'd look to Allied Mines, but ALM, but that's delisting probably, so that rules it out. Also on Friday, I talked about the energy uh, issues for small businesses. Actually, let's move on to the macro section now because we've covered uh, Tuesday to Friday. Obviously, energy is still completely dominating uh, the markets. And up until recently, really, we've focused on um, the impact on the consumer and the knock-on impact that would have. The latest figures seem to show this ridiculous UK system of... um, um, ridiculous system of uh, of uh, the, the price caps that just constantly go up. Um, the latest thing is that they're going up from about twelve hundred pounds a year. I think it's already gone up to about two thousand. They're now saying it's going to step up to three and a half thousand, then five thousand, then six thousand. Well, this is ridiculous. It's just not tenable. They need to just scrap the current system, I think, and put a hard stop in. 
I think. I think nothing else is going gonna, is gonna to bring back any semblance of consumer confidence and work out how to do it and how to pay for it later because this is a national emergency. Now, the problem, the, the highlight this week has been very much on small businesses and we're seeing some absolutely uh, crushing figures being bandied about for pubs in particular and small retailers. You know, they're going to go out of business in their swathes without... Uh, extreme government action I think but I think really we shouldn't draw any major conclusions at the moment because it looks like Liz Truss is going to be made Prime Minister on Monday, this Monday coming and the press reports are indicating and obviously you know there'll be briefings going on behind the scenes are indicating that this is you know I think they understand the severity of the situation and want to take bold decisive action what form that action will take I don't know as, I, as I've said before it's only, only my opinion I think that you know to, it needs direct action at the point of the energy bills not compensation measures not tax cuts I mean do those things as well but I think you know the, 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 it's the energy bills that are driving most of the increase in inflation uh, the Bank of England said 7% is due to energy costs, 6% is underlying. And, of course, the underlying will feed on the 7%, and you'll get more underlying, won't you, as time goes on. But I think it, it, it's, it's crucial to get that headline inflation rate down, which will end up costing less, I think, in the long run, because you then won't have to upgrade pensions and benefits and civil servant salaries, um, which, of course, is the bulk of public spending. You won't then have to be giving pay rises of 12 15 17% to people, which will cost more in the long run. If you can get inflation down or cap it at sort of... Uh, cap energy prices and which will which should feed through quite rapidly to uh, you know at least inflation not rising anymore and then 12 months later starting to fall somewhat you know i think that's so important but we'll see what they do and then in next week podcast i can have a rant about that but yeah i think it's the scale of the energy bills for businesses that has dominated this week um i mean i saw some of the um press articles one of tom kerridge's pubs a uh, celebrity chef, he was saying that the energy bills are going up from 60 grand to 420 grand for one pub, I think. Well, um, a third of the pubs are, uh, are, are going to go out of business unless action's taken, according to Propel, the industry trade magazine. Um, so I think a suspension of business rates, again, probably uh, is, is likely. And they've got, they've got to treat this as an emergency on the scale of COVID, I think. So when it comes to in, in, what individual company reporting, I think what we need, and I know PRs and brokers do listen to these podcasts, which is great, and I like having interaction and discussion with them. Um, I think companies need to be specifically talking about energy in their trading updates. So they need to be giving us the figures and saying, uh, you know, energy is going to cost us £3 million more this year. This is based on assuming a cost of X per kilowatt hour. If it goes above that, it will be Y per, you know, Z increase over that. And if they've got fixes or hedges on their energy costs, I think we need to be told specifically what those are. Because um, the other thing is, are these fixed rates actually going to remain fixed? There have been press reports of energy companies reneging on the fixes, uh, citing um, get-out clauses in the terms and conditions. So we need, uh, as always, when there's a crisis, we need transparency for companies and more detail. We need to know what the forecasts are based on. 
and, and I think most of us would take a pretty dim view if companies are starting to warn on profits, saying, oh, we didn't budget for higher energy costs. Well, you should have done. So by now, you know, the forecast should have been lowered. So, um, you know, get that information out to the market, please. And uh, as I say, we, on, if they've got fixed rates and hedges, we need to know the detail. Uh, so something else that's really uh, irritating me at the moment is how many companies are issuing nil-cost share options to management. I think it's so tone-deaf of these companies when their investors are really struggling, really suffering with horrible share price drops, to see them loading up on a load of options for management. Um, You know, cheap options or nil-cost options, really, really annoying. And um, I'm very pleased to see that in a lot of AGM votes now, there are substantial uh, negative votes on directors' remuneration reports. Also, I'm seeing substantial votes against disapplying preemption rights, which I think is 100% 100% right. I think it's, it's you know, unless there's a specific reason for disapplying uh, uh, preemption rights, it shouldn't be done because it's a fundamental tenet of company law. So just to routinely disapply it, I think, uh, needs to stop. Um, we talked about currencies earlier. Obviously, the strong dollar is not helping. There's a lot of commodities are priced in dollars. Um, but the euro is obviously in the same boat. That's reached parity against the dollar. Uh, so we'll see where we go on that. I mean, I think there's some logic to that because the US is much more energy uh, independent. They've done fracking and so on. And, um, you know, they're in a much, much better place than, than, than we are, where, well, certainly, I mean, certainly than, than, than Europe is, which became dependent on a, a you know, on a mafia-led um, uh, kleptocracy called Russia. Um, what an absolute... What fools making themselves dependent on Russian gas um, and people have been warning about this for many years it's not uh, as if it's a new issue also I think the dash for renewables was was done too quickly uh, although obviously we you know we need to move to renewables there needs to be baseload and so on and um, that uh, you know hasn't been done so what happens this autumn? I mean, let's just wait. Let's wait to see what this trust comes out with on Monday and sub- subsequently. I, d- I don't think it's helpful for all these journalists to be sending people into a blind panic uh, when we don't know what the situation's actually going to be yet. The other thing is, of course, stock market sentiment, particularly for small caps, is absolutely on the floor again. We've uh, <clears throat> come back down again to the June and July lows. Hardly surprising, is it, given all the terrible news flow? Uh, but I think it's worth remembering that stock market sentiment can just turn on a dime. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's some sort of trigger, uh, you know, and certainly there are, there are some outcomes with this, uh, this energy crisis where I could see potentially a turning point arriving if they can break the link between gas prices and electricity prices. That's an obvious fix that needs to be done somehow. I don't know. I'm not an expert. And... Um, there is a glimmer of hope in that the European, and I'm only regurgitating press reports here. These is I'm not a specialist on this stuff. The um, European gas storage facilities apparently now are 80% full, which is ahead of plan. So it looks like they've been frantically stockpiling, um, which you know might need some rationing of gas. But um, 
it it uh, you know the idea of blackouts and so on and industry shutting down maybe is a little bit alarmist at this stage, but we we don't know. We'll have to see, won't we? But at least the the gas storage facilities being eighty percent full and that's ahead of plan is 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 positive. Oh, just a big thank you as well to the Stockopedia readers this uh, week for we've had lots of really interesting and engaged posts from readers. I know a lot of you are starting to publish your buying lists or your watch lists of shares that you think uh, should could be good candidates. Uh, well, people have followed two threads, good recovery candidate shares and also good resilient uh, shares that should weather the storm. So thanks for that, because I think it's... What people too too often do is just hunker down and hide behind the sofa during bear markets, whereas actually this is the time where I think the research we do and the watch lists we build are laying the groundwork for the bounce back and the multi-baggers of the future. So I do think it's really important to stay engaged and to to keep calm and not panic um, or give up and... um, uh, so thank you for the readers. We've had some really excellent ideas cropping up on that front. We've also been sharing ideas in the in the Stockopedia Small Cap Value Report comment sections on uh, which companies have said they've hedged their energy or, or fixed their energy costs, which is really important, isn't it? I know uh, a couple that spring to mind in the hospitality sector was Revolution Bars, which I own, RBG, which apparently has a fix, I think, or a partial fix until March 2023, which should mean that they'll be able to stay open over the winter. And if a lot of the smaller rivals uh, can't open or restrict their opening hours, as always, it means more market share for the stronger operator or the luckier operators who fix their fix their energy costs. I think Hostmore, M-O-R-E, which uh, I might still have a bit left. I can't remember on that one, but it's been a disaster. Um, those one, that one, uh, I think has hedged the bulk of its energy costs. So again, they'll be able to stay open. I think my main concern with Hostmore at the moment is I just don't think the product is value for money. The food's expensive and drinks are expensive for what they are. So I think the risk is that customers maybe avoid, uh, TGI Fridays and, and head for Franco Manca instead So I think overall then, the pattern that's currently emerging from all the small caps I look at, I can see a theme uh, emerging, which I think is that there are two key... two elements to look for in shares right now in my opinion pricing power now we've been on about this for the last year it's not a a new discovery i think companies which can demonstrate their passing on price rises and a good example this week funnily enough was eurocell ecel which uh, didn't just say oh they're mitigating price rises they said they're passing them on with price rises and surcharges that was a very strong a statement about pricing power and also they've got decent gross margins at Eurocell, 50%. So that's key. And we're seeing also, I think, pricing power combined with non-discretionary products. So products that customers really need and have to continue buying, I think. Those are the two key elements I'm looking at for more resilient businesses and shares. Now, a good example that crops up is Reynolds, R-N-O. Um, I interviewed the CEO recently on, on this website, and uh, it, it comes across very well, I think. Now, the key point there is they can hike their prices because they're all, they, they have pricing power as they're making premium products that are only about 1% of the cost of the machines, but the cost of the machines breaking because the chains have broken is uh, prohibitive. And they're on typically five-year replacement cycles, and you can't not replace them. So 
they, Renault demonstrated during the pandemic how resilient it was. So I think that is a really interesting one. Uh, that's on my buying list of what my watch list of things I want to buy back into. So I think pricing power and non-discretionary products is my main area of focus. But the other area of focus, I think, is value for money products. So and we've we've already talked about Shoe Zone and Fulham Shore. They're doing okay. Uh, companies that are selling value for money products. I think even even um, more affluent people are looking for value for money. Uh, uh, at the moment I think and don't want to overpay for anything so I think those are two really interesting themes to to look at now I should mention of course as well I've got these podcasts up on Apple last weekend can't remember how I did it but I did it through a platform called Acast somehow managed to work get the IT working by trial and error Um, but thank you to everyone who's now tuning in via Apple Podcasts it's about 70% of the listeners now so and it's giving me some interesting data on uh, where listeners are we've got and a big shout out to our listeners in Ireland as well as the UK and um, uh, Andorra I don't know who lives in Andorra but we've got uh, we've had nine listens from Andorra and I'm delighted to see that uh, my favorite African country Zimbabwe which I visited in 2019 as an observer of Zane's charity operations in Zimbabwe, which was, uh, you know, really a life-changing thing for me, um, seeing the terrible destitution uh, uh, there and how the people are surviving and in, in the main remaining kind, remaining kind and generous when they, you know, only eating maybe once, once every day or even once every two days and yet they're still outward looking and kind gentle people so big shout out to my one listener in Zimbabwe I think about Zimbabwe every day and if you do hit a multi-bagger or get a takeover bid, bid, bid then uh, do do bung a few quid over to Zane uh, there's a there's a PayPal link on on my website on quality small caps I know a lot of you uh, uh, give money regularly to Zane as I do myself with a with a modest um, a standing order um, they need a regular regular flow of money because they have to keep supporting the destitute pensioners who otherwise would die lonely miserable deaths but a, a few food parcel and maybe some basic pills from Zane keeps them going so a little money goes a long way and we, things might be shit for us here at the moment uh, but really when you put it into perspective and look at what's going on in Zimbabwe um, you know we should count our blessings anyway on that um on that note, oh, and I just wanted to say in general, how am I keeping cheerful? Well, I'm not. I'm pretending to be cheerful, but actually I'm pretty depressed. But you don't get anywhere in life, do you, uh, of being miserable? If you give out negative vibes, you just get negative vibes back. So the other way I'm coping with my portfolio being down 42% this year today is I'm reminding myself that I don't actually need the money. Uh, it's long-term retirement funds. And uh, they're long-term positions. I've hardly made any changes to my portfolio because I think all the all the shares I'm in are good, long-term positions. Obviously, it's very different for traders. You're having to nip in and out all the time. And, you know, I don't have expertise in that area. It's not what I do. But, um, for you know, for, for long-term positions in good, well-funded companies, they will come back. They always do. And often come back quicker than you think. Because market sentiment can just turn on a dime when some sort of key news comes out. I mean, look at the announcement for the vaccines last October. That triggered a huge rally, and it was quite quick, the early stages of that rally. 
Um, similar sort of thing in March 2020 at the low point of the uh, panic sell-off at the start of pan- the pandemic. It was, you know, it looked like everybody was giving up. And then in April, a really, really powerful, rapid rebound. And often you couldn't buy at the lows. That was the other thing. There was no liquidity because the sellers had finished. Are we at that stage now? I don't know, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? I think there's so much bad news coming on a daily basis. I'm certainly not going to call the low point in this market. But um, uh, as I say, for long-term positions, I'm, I'm... Happy If I'm happy with the company, then I'm happy to just continue holding. I'm not trying to time the market. Uh, now, how do we cope as well? Do other things. I think staring at a screen all day and getting more and more depressed is just, is just self-destructive. What I do is um, I normally now just switch the computer off at lunchtime, go for a brisk walk. Uh, exercising, I think, is absolutely key because it, it helps release those endorphins. The Bournemouth Air Show has been on this week. I've been been down to the beach watching uh, the, the planes doing acrobatics and things and having a few beers. Completely take, took my mind off the markets. And I think just spending time with family and friends. I know I've mentioned all this before, so it's just a reminder. We're all going through a lot of pain at the moment. And uh, I think we have to be mutually supportive. That's why, you know, posting positive messages on social media and in the Stockopedia reader, co- reader comments is the way to go. And I'm, I'm delighted that that's what practically everybody's doing. We do get the odd, um, the odd uh, person who lashes out at me or, or at other people. Uh, I understand why people do that and I sympathise, actually. So I try not to get uh, too defensive when people... Uh, tell me I'm an idiot or whatever, you know, when you put yourself out there on a daily basis, you have to expect to get uh, the occasional pot shot at you. It's not it's not right, it's not fair, but it happens. And, you know, I've got broad shoulders, and if it helps someone uh, feel a bit better by uh, attacking me, then, you know, I can deal with that. I don't really give a shit, actually. <laughs> so, uh, because the feedback is overwhelmingly positive from the vast majority. Um, OK, I think we will probably call it a day. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back next weekend.